The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back into College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brett Lee Romine with you. We had to take last week off for those that live in Florida or any impacted area for that matter. Hurricane Ian was whipping right through. The good news is we survived. We both lost power. Got a little twigs and water, but nothing we can't get through. It's actually bigger than twigs when we get down to the uh, brass tacks of it all. But you made the call. You took the lead there, and it was good because – I didn't have power, so this was not going to happen. Um, but the good thing, um, we were very fortunate, as others have obviously been impacted greatly, to, to come out on the other side and uh, be back with you after a week hiatus. Yeah, good to be back. It was kind of an 11th hour call. I mean, Ann was already kind of making its way toward the Sunshine State, and I texted you, and I'm like, no pod this week. And you're like, sounds good. <laughs> And uh, twigs, I mean, I, I had three three huge branches, probably 20, 25 feet tall, fall down. I was very proud of myself. Cut them all up with the help from uh, some neighborhood kids who happened to have a chainsaw. And I was crossing my fingers, Burko, that the yard people would take it. This guy in the city came by a couple of days ago in this big truck. I was asleep. I woke up. He's out there, has it all loaded in. I had never been so happy to see someone in my entire life I was waving I had my daughter in one arm we're out there dude I'm just saying thank you the guy probably thought I was crazy but you know I I think when you now that a week's been removed you kind of look back and at the time it felt like the end of the world for me but then you look at the devastation and you look at what happened down in Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel Island and all these people who were affected and the lives that were lost and I mean you just feel for those people and suddenly your problems become not problems at all yeah our thoughts certainly with everyone that has been impacted at any level and it's different isn't it when you're a father when you're single the hurricanes come through crack open a beer who cares when you've got kids five month old no power is not i i that that might be one of the worst things uh it's not good now We've been there. We're through it again. We hope everyone gets back to where they were uh, sooner rather than later. But glad to be back on College Golf Talk, which is brought to you, as always, by Velocity Global, as they seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is based on cloud-based technology. It's built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale At 185 countries in all 50 United States, the world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. And more than 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration, and they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global, accelerating the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf we're recording this on wednesday night you just wrapped up 
some hits on Golf Central. I'm an hour removed from wrapping up the broadcast from the Blessings Collegiate Invitational presented Great by Great job, Tyson by the way. Great thank job. you. Thank you. A lot of fun. Always good to be back here. John Tyson, uh, his commitment is unlimited. He, I, I love spending time. Fortunate to, to break some bread, to, to chat with a good businessman, but even more importantly, a good person that wants to get back to the game of golf. Um, so we're jumping right in it, coming in hot. And at least for me, I learned a few things. Let's start with the women. And individually, Julia Lopez Ramirez, the sophomore from Mississippi State, she won three times a year ago as the freshman, was the conference newcomer of the year, played well at Pebble Beach a few weeks ago, tied for fourth, shoots 65 on Monday, the opening round, tournament course record, shoots 66 today in the final round. I don't want to jump the gun. We might need to start widening our net when we talk about the best players in the country because this young lady hits it a mile, great touch, good short game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the last of her in the winner's circle. Yeah, that shot that she hit, her wedge shot on 14, where she's in the rough, just a little you know, flip wedge, but the touch that she had on that, she played it perfectly. That was one of her 19 birdies. She had 19 birdies and, and one eagle around blessings in three rounds. That's pretty incredible. And you start looking at the career wins list at Mississippi State. It's only six. She's already at four. Uh, I would probably guess that she breaks it sometime this year. But I was just impressed listening to her head coach, Charlie Ewing, talk about her and how a year ago when he picked her up from the airport, she barely said it, two words. And the first team breakfast, same thing. And now a year later, she's one of the most talkative players on the team. You know, they bring a football to events. She's a big college football fan now. She runs go routes in the parking lot. I mean, she, uh, I mean, she's just kind of evolving into this all-around great talent. And it's easy to compare her to a player like John Rahm on the men's side because they're both from Spain. But I was looking at, because I was just curious, and John Rahm won, what, 11 times at ASU in four years. But he only had two wins his first two. I mean, Julia's already at four. I mean, for me, the the sky's the limit. If she stays off four years, we're talking about potentially one of the best careers that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, double-digit victories would not be out of reach uh, after what I saw this week from her. And a team effort as well for the Bulldogs to go back-to-back. Second straight win. I love what Charlie Ewing, their head coach, said on the broadcast Monday. Of the win a few weeks ago, that was nice. That's just the beginning. It's like the standard we want to continue to raise it higher and how he's been able to sort of change the culture there in two and a half seasons. Not only do we widen the net talking about individuals, Mississippi State is really, really good. Do you know when the last time they won three straight tournaments was? Can you guess? Never. I'm going to say never. They've done it once. 1999. Pull out your Prince album. 1999, they won the first three events of the fall. Um, haven't won back-to-back since 2014. Of course, the spring before that was their best finish all-time for the NCAA championship. That was a solo sixth. Uh, 
they have their home event here in a couple weeks at Old Waverly, the alley. Um, I, I don't know what the field looks like, but judging based on what we saw at the Mason Rudolph last week or two weeks ago and what we saw these three days, I don't see how anyone can beat them right now. They are so deep. They got experience. They got a stud freshman, and they got one of the best players in the country. Yeah, that's a really good combination. And they were trying to hold off, and they obviously did it. Old Miss, who also coming off a victory at the Cougar Classic, where Andrea Lignell won for the first time. They were looking for two in a row. She was looking for two in a row. And talking with Corey Henkes, their head coach, you have to think about it. I'm always intrigued by the dynamic of a team that wins a national championship, not the immediate next year, but the year following. They had the target on their back. There's the celebration. Everyone's telling them how good they are. The lineup changes, but now they're back to a lot of depth, some variety in the lineup, something that Corey had a couple years ago. And it just seems like if it was a little hangover or hiccup last year, it feels like they're on a really nice path to, again, being one of the better teams in the country. Yeah, and they had everything thrown at them last year. They had a player term pro halfway through the year. They had a serious injury to one of their best players in Ellen Hume, who finally had that, that bicep surgery in March. She didn't pick up a club or really start hitting full shots till late June, early July. And she goes out and ties for 13th in her first 54-hole event in seven or eight months. So having her back in the fold, she didn't play that well. Um, but, but again, the depth of this team, when I was doing the preseason rankings, Burko, and I looked at the World Amateur Golf ranking of all these lineups, Ole Miss actually was right around 11 or 12th, if I remember correctly. And they showcased that depth during the Cougar Classic, their first event of the fall where they won without their best player, Kiara Tamberlini, who was still getting acclimated back uh, into school after being away at the World Amateur Team Championship. So deep team, well-coached, tested, battle-tested after everything that happened last year. Um, You know, runner-up, Mississippi State kind of ran away with it late, but uh, I, I expect Ole Miss to be in the conversation as we move along. Talk about running away with it. That's what Texas A&M did for the men, and and it's pretty clear to see their 15-under-par team total in round number two is the biggest reason why they could sort of waltz their way to the title. Daniel Rodriguez, the junior, he gets into the winner's circle. He looked really good. Sam Bennett played great the last couple of days. I find it very intriguing. He's back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I said it in the first pod, and I, I talked to him this morning. And he said it took a few weeks. Everyone wants a bit of your time, understandably so. Similar to when you win a national championship. Oh, you're the greatest. Uh, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. He said, I'm back to playing golf and hanging with my guys and getting the job done in the classroom. And Brian Corton, their head coach, said, so many people from the outside looking in think it's Sam Bennett and four other kids. He said, those four other kids are really, really good. And they proved it here this week. Yeah, that's a great point. I think I even used the term one-man band. It, that's kind of a misconception of Texas A&M, and it's really been, even going back to when Chandler Phillips was their stud about five or six years ago, uh, that, that was kind of the misconception then as well. But Daniel Rodriguez went out there and proved that, hey, like I'm ready to take this torch next year from Sam Bennett, 
from William Pacey. And I thought that was a cool moment at the very end of the broadcast where Sam Bennett kind of puts his arm around Daniel walking down the 18th fairway and was like, well done. But I mean, it just kind of shows you, it's kind of the, uh, you know, one generation to another. And they're going to need Daniel Rodriguez as the season goes on because, you know, Burko, part of being the U.S. Amateur champ, you know, people aren't done asking Sam Bennett for his time. He's going to have professional obligations next spring, playing in the Masters, all of that. And then something that probably wasn't talked about a whole lot, but William Pacey, you, who had co-medaled in their first event of the fall, but then missed the SEC fall preview last week, and I asked Coach Corton, you know, did he not qualify? Was he hurt? And he's like, no, he was at Q School. So he got through the first stage of Q School. Uh, I have a hard time, you know, believing if he makes it to the final stage and he gets status, he's a fifth-year senior. He's given everything to this program. I would not be surprised if he decides to turn professional halfway through the year. So if that happens, it's a good thing that Daniel Rodriguez is playing like this and he's going to continue to have to play like this for Texas A&M if they want to be – you know, holding that trophy uh, next May or next June at Greyhawk. Well, they left <clears throat> Fayetteville with a lot of trophies. So uh, kudos to them, uh, all the champions here this week. We also had a good one uh, not far from here, Colonial. It wrapped up just a day ago and a really, really good field and a result that I think we were all looking for from a team in particular from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, <laughs> the Tar Heels, 15 under par, Nine shots clear of second place. Vanderbilt was there. They finished fifth. Florida was there. They finished tied for ninth. Oklahoma tied for 12th. The statement maybe came a few weeks later than we expected. Um, but one of the two teams that we thought were 1-1A one one beginning the year, um, let everyone know, um, watch out. You'll take a look at it. Uh, Greaser tied for third, Ford tied for six, Minetti tied for eight, Burnett 15, Fountain 27. You got five of your guys inside the top 30, you're usually going to win. Yeah, and you're a big interstate guy, right? What what interstate runs between Fayetteville and <laughs> Fort Worth? Oh, good Lord. All I, all, <laughs> I think I'm I threw that was spot. I, odd, odd interstates go north to south. Evens go east to west. That's all I can tell you. I think I've been taking 46 out to the hotel. Uh, no, that would be north south. No, maybe it was 49. Uh, so well, I, I was 46, 46 near my house right now, and uh, that's underwater right now. So probably not 46. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's 49. I'm not sure. Something like that. Um, but, and before I forget, though, Oklahoma, you mentioned T12. It's worth noting. You know, I got to defend the Sooners since, you know, I clearly uh, talk bad about them all the time. But, uh, yeah, I got to defend them. They didn't have their best player or one of their best players, Patrick Welch. He's playing in the Shriners Open. And just a testament to the job that Ryan Hibble's done there. I, I went back and tried to figure out the last time they had finished this poorly at a regular season event. You got to go all the way back to 2013. Southern Highlands. Uh, that's a long time. And, and so that incredible job. But North Carolina, right? They, they were my preseason number one. Uh, they sat there and watched as Vanderbilt got off to this hot start. We all pivoted to the Commodores. Uh, but this team is the real deal. They finally got everyone there. Austin Greaser missed that first event at Notre Dame, and then they just basically laid an egg at Olympia Fields. Uh, but we had this discussion, Burko, and I'm interested to get your opinion uh, with Jim Gallagher on the pregame today. And we talked about 
kind of UNC versus Vanderbilt. And I actually went uh, – yeah, I was playing a little bit of devil's advocate because Jimmy took Vanderbilt. But you know, I, I, I'm convinced that North Carolina, assuming that they're both easily going to make it into match play, I kind of like this team better in that format because you look at an Austin, an Austin Greaser who's won a Western Amateur – who's been runner-up at a U.S. amateur. You look at Dylan Minetti and all the clutch moments he had when he was at Pepperdine and also a semifinalist at the U.S. amateur just a couple months ago. And then Peter Fountain, who's your career leader in scoring average, like he hasn't played well since the ACC championship, basically, but got into match play at the North and South this summer, won a match, and then making it to match play at the U.S. amateur. Uh, so when he's your fifth player, that's pretty solid. I know Matt Riedel from Vanderbilt, their fifth guy, has already won a tournament. Um, but I, I just had a feeling that North Carolina, once they get in that match play arena, they probably have a slight advantage. Interesting. I mean, they've been there the last couple of years like Vandy. Um, yeah, I, you know, you, you could say that, and then I'll play the other side of the coin of, the pairings, you know what I mean? We do the old snake of someone goes, someone go, you, you know, you might look good on paper. And then after the matchups are out, you'd be like, Oh, that's not the matchup greaser needed, or that wasn't the matchup sergeant needed. Or it's, you know, you can go down that line, but uh, you hit on a key point in terms of match play experience, how you could certainly give a little bit of a lean to the Tar Heels. It will be fun if we're having this conversation seven months from now, maybe in a championship match with right now the two best teams uh, in our estimation in the country. Some other things, though, jumping out to me. Last time we had the podcast concerns, we thought Pepperdine, they finished tied for third. Arizona State, where are they right now? They finished tied for third. And Texas, a good showing, eight in a really strong field. So three of the teams that we thought, all right, not, let's not hit the panic button but we need to see more. I think we, we did from all three. Yeah. And I, I, I was really pleased by the turnaround that William Mal had. You look at their last time out at uh, Olympia fields tied for 60th. And I, I believe that was his worst college finish ever. And he comes out, finishes runner up. And you know, a little birdie told me that he may be buying in finally to Chris Zambri's way of, practicing, tracking, you know, improving the testing method that he was so great at implementing at, at USC, you know, Justin saw his turnaround on the KFT this year and his path to being fully exempt on the PGA tour this year is he credits a lot of that to all the testing and all the data driven analysis that he's learned from, from Zambri. And so you're already seeing that start that start to pay immediate dividends. And if William Mao keeps playing like this, uh, Pepperdine's got a shot because if he doesn't, I, I, I'm not so convinced that there's enough there throughout the lineup to get the waves back into match play. Or even well, you to the NCAA my, championship for that matter. You, you read my mind. We know what Mao can do. Hitchner, very solid player. They can play their best. I need to see more from three, four, and five. Yeah. Sam Choi, for sure. Yeah, needs to step up. Windy City uh, for the ladies. Windy City Challenge outside of Chicago. And uh, the ladies, as I always like to say, the women of Troy. Women of Troy. The women of Troy. It just sounds regal and big and impressive. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. Um, double dip in there, led by someone that just continues to impress in Amari Avery. 
Yeah, she's she's just a special person, isn't she? I mean, special player, special person. Uh, we talk so much about Rose, and we talk so much about Ingrid Lindblad, and rightfully so. But Amari Avery is right up there. I mean, she you could probably put her, as with everyone, maybe a notch below Rose because Rose is one of the best women's amateurs to ever play the game. But Amari Avery is really good. Cindy Coe's back on track. Brianna uh, Navarosa with her number one, so I would assume that means that she won qualifying. Uh, this is a scary team. This is a team that been a little up and down the last couple years, um, you know, haven't really shown out at least a couple years ago at Greyhawk, they had that really poor showing. But uh, I think Justin Silverstein has something here. They beat some pretty good teams. Beat your chicken, South Carolina. Beat Oregon. <laughs> beat Arizona State. Beat Texas. Uh, a lot of good teams in this field. Uh, USC might be right behind Stanford and Wake Forest if we're talking about the best teams in the country right now. We kicked things off this week on Golf Channel with our college golf coverage. We take a few days. I'll fly home. You're home. We'll all go to South Florida. Seminole, second edition of the Jackson T. Stevens Cup. A lotion club last year, absolutely phenomenal. To have a chance to back it up with Seminole, one of the great <laughs> golf courses spoiled. in the entire world. Yeah, and with the field, the men and the women, combo, stroke play, and the match play on Wednesday I know you talked about it on Golf Central, but certainly worth revisiting some things you're looking to see from the standout teams and players and uh, the course itself. Yeah, I, I think the men's competition will be good. You'll get North Carolina fresh off that win at Colonial. Stanford is also there. You're talking about the two teams that have won arguably the best two events so far. Uh, Stanford winning at Olympia Fields a couple of weeks ago. We'll see defending champion Texas again. But the women's side is going to be I, – I, 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 I called it the best watch of the entire season, and that may even include some of the postseason as well. When you talk about Rosang playing Seminole, I would assume this is the first time she's playing it. I mean, it could be like Tiger playing Augusta for the first time. Uh, but then you have Amari Avery's in the field, Ingrid Lindblad. And then the top five teams, I think, in the country, Stanford, Wake Forest, USC, South Carolina – LSU, I know LSU hasn't got off to a great start, but I expect them to be a top five team by the time we get to March, April, May. Um, this is a chance for those teams to show that, hey, we're just as good as Stanford. We can beat them, but it's also a big opportunity for Stanford to continue to put the pedal down after a few weeks off after their win at the Carmel Cup and uh, say, hey, we're, we're, we're not going to let anyone beat us this year. All right, I'm going to put you on the – spot here we're going to do this a week from now after the stevens cup is stanford still undefeated for the ladies i will say no just because i now i haven't looked at the forecast um but we know that if the wind blows at seminole it's a completely different golf course right and i i just feel like that being said there's so much unpre unpredictability there a lot of these players haven't seen greens like this um you know, it's it, it's it's funny. I mean, Seminole, we, we, we both were at the Walker Cup, and you step on property there, and you know, it's it's just a an impressive Special. piece of land. I mean, it's it's land back in the day that initially they thought shouldn't have been a golf course, and lo and behold, you got one of the best golf courses in the world on there. I, I think it's funny. There is a there is a story that I heard about Seminole and kind of Ben Hogan's ties 
to the club. I think it was on Shotgun Start podcast, and uh, Andy Johnson was talking about this. It was a book. I think it's like the uh, you can find it in the pro shop. It's kind of like the history of the club. And I guess Ben Hogan, the only game he would play out there is it, he he wouldn't play for score. I guess he would just you know if you missed a fairway and or you missed a green, you had to put money into the pot. And then at the end of 18 holes, whoever hit the most greens and the most fairways got all the money. I mean, you're playing against Ben Hogan, right? So who do you think got all the money all the time? Ben Hogan. So I just thought that was just kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, just a a fun place. I'm excited to get down there. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'll take the other side of it just to make it interesting. Stanford will find a way to win. We'll see who's on the right side of that equation uh, a week from now. I mentioned it Monday. We paid respect to the great Richard Sykes, longtime NC State men's golf coach, 46 years from 1971 to 2017, passing away last week at the age of 78. If you ever had the chance to be around him, the greatest storyteller. (laughs) Simply, I might have ever had the chance to listen to. They won the ACCs in 1990, made it to the NCAAs on 12 different occasions. He was inducted into the Golf Coaches Hall of Fame a couple of decades ago. Truly one of the great men and characters you will have ever met. And and because of the storytelling, which always resonates with me, I know people on social media were, were sharing their favorite story or quote because Richard was filled with one-liners <laughs> yeah I mean kudos to Lance Ringler of Golf Week for for putting the tweet out there and I'm just going to read a few of the replies uh first one Mike Dunphy a uh, long time Cleveland Strixon uh genius legend uh he says Richard Sykes decided not to have NC State play in Duke's fall event uh, back in the 1990s, when Rod Myers at Duke asked him why his team wasn't playing, Richard told him he couldn't get a flight in. So I thought that was pretty funny. Here's here's another one, Taylor Crosby. Guys, I use the point system for qualifying. If I point at you, you're in. And then here's, here's another one, uh, uh, Jason Payne. Uh, this team I have is a bunch of used Volkswagens. Great around town, but ain't worth a damn on the road. Mike McGraw. Some, going. some guys, some guys will be in the van, and some guys will be waving at the van. Chris Hack, I have three guys that couldn't play dead in a western, and the other two are stunt doubles. Um, uh, <laughs> Todd Todd Satterfield stopped and rolled the window down. Take a good look; you won't see these guys anymore. And then <laughs> Ryan Hibble, he would sprinkle Wolfpack tees on the tee boxes at junior events so the kids would see the logo. Branding at its finest. Legend, rest in peace, Coach. And then uh, I'll just read just a couple more. Mark Silvers, I won't take a guy to a tournament with tan feet. That means he hasn't been practicing enough. And then uh, there was one more here that was pretty good. Uh, I think that might have been it. I mean, there's there's just so many. I, I would just reckon people go, you know, just uh, recommend they go on Lance Ringler at Golf Week Ringler and, and read them. There's about 50 there, and they're just – they're awesome. But – 46 years, Burko. He's been there. You're, you're halfway there at uh, Golf Channel, but, uh, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get your favorite Richard Sykes story. 
Yeah, well, I'm not nearly as respected uh, as Richard Sykes was, and he certainly uh, will be remembered our thoughts with his wife, his kids, his grandchildren. I remember, I'm going to say 0405, when if you truly are a diehard, we had College Central presented by Ping for about a four-year run, and we would do campus tours. And one of the very first was, as we did the whole Tobacco Road run, Justin Walters, the South African, uh, was doing the tour. So we're spending time with with Richard. And, and I'm certainly not speaking out of turn because he'd be the first to let you know he had two bad ears and one bad eye. He had a glass eye. And on many occasions, he would play tricks on people. He'd take his eye out and put it in their salad or put it in their water. And when he was honored at a football game, and I'm pretty sure I've got all the details right on the screen, <laughs> Somebody had some fun and said, you know, congratulations, you know, congratulations on being inducted into into the Hall of Fame. Keep an eye out to say (laughs) your own congratulations to Richard Sykes. And he was the first one to tell you a story. I'm closing my eyes now. I remember the framed picture on his wall in the office. There was also a story. Gosh, I want to say it was Pinehurst. There was an NCAA championship back in the day. It was. It It was the Carolina Hotel. I'm pretty he sure. would challenge anyone. He said, I can beat you like in a 50-yard dash, a 100-yard dash. And if the details come into focus for me, Mike Holder, the legendary Oklahoma State coach, they, they said, let's go. You can't beat me. And Richard went full throttle. No way he was going to lose. And I believe he ended up running right through the wall. If not the whole body, at least part or one of his appendages went through the wall. The, the legend was it was his arm and it was the room of some of the Texas players. That, that's just the, that's the, that's the legend. It's, it's remarkable. We could go on and on and on. And for him to share those with me, um, you know, it means a lot. And it's, it's always sad that we, we seemingly remember someone so fondly when they're gone. Um, yeah. That's human nature. Uh, but He'd reach out occasionally, a tweet, a text, and just stay in touch. And um, we've done it for a long time, Brentley. We hope to do it for a lot longer. I'm not sure there will ever, ever be anyone like Richard Sykes to spend nearly a half a century at his alma mater, coaching the golf team, having success, fostering good young men, turning them into good people and the stories, the quotes, and they came off the cuff like it was nothing, like he was walking down the street. That's what yeah, that's, made it so easy. That's a life well lived when you when you look at the amount of, I mean, I'm, you're talking about 50 or 60 comments on that Lance tweet and even more tributes on social media. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, Berko, if, if, when, when we die, if we have half of that, uh, that means that we did a pretty good job. Agree. He will certainly be missed. Again, our thoughts with his wife, kids, and grandchildren. Richard Sykes, gone too soon at the age of 78. Glad you and I could reconnect after the week off. Hopefully no more hurricanes running through anywhere. Let's let's call it a hurricane season. Let's rebuild where needed, and let's keep pressing forward. But wanted to jump back on while we were sort of front and center, had everything on top of mind, and we'll reconvene at Seminole and then we'll probably do this again next Wednesday night when we get off the air so we can keep those that enjoy it in the know in the mix we can't let them wait any longer Brentley yeah, and we do 
well, he's missed another week. They might leave us for good. <laughs> yeah, all, all 15 of our listeners, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we, we really appreciate people listening. And maybe we'll get a guest next Wednesday. Maybe we'll get a live guest. Uh, you never know. So whoa. we'll see. I, well, oh, never mind. I mean, you know, teams try to they, get out of there pretty quick. You know, we've we'll been in a few college golf tournaments. They turn, <clears> they, they're always running to the van. They're always we'll, running to the airport. We'll feel it out. We don't want to commit to anything one way or the other. Uh, good but call. always good to, uh, to be back. Hope everyone enjoyed college golf talk. We'll do it again next week. For Brentley, I'm Burko. Take care. We'll see you next Thursday.